themselves as spiritual and why they don't want to be or see themselves as religious. Okay? Now, think about this, this description I'm going to unfold for you. Socially, okay, most of the nuns we find would consider themselves to be very tolerant. Very open-minded. That's probably not new news to us. And, and here's the critical point we really need to understand today at the beginning. Um, something that may even be the cause of their extremely tolerant position. And that is this. Most of them consider us as Christians to be judgmental, intolerant, and unloving. In other words, they don't think we look a whole lot like Jesus. When we read through the Gospel of Mark, when we journey with Jesus through the Gospels in the New Testament, we would describe Jesus as gracious, as loving, as welcoming, and as engaging to all people. And that's a key point. Jesus lived in these tensions between truth and love, between grace and truth. And we also saw, remember, that Jesus' greatest struggles came with people who were judgmental, (laughs) intolerant, and unloving. They were the religious leaders of his day. So, So hear me on this particular point this morning. All right. If we as Christians showcase, quote, religion like the people in Jesus' day, it's no wonder that the nuns want nothing to do with religion. We may, we may, you and I may be what is keeping a nun from knowing the real Jesus. Right? And that's a sobering statement. Uh, and I hope it doesn't reflect reality in your life in that way. Yet each of us know and love nuns in our lives. Okay? And we have to wrestle with not only how, um, not only how we are perceived by those who are far from God, but also... Like in their eyes, do, do we represent, like in their eyes, we do represent a picture of Jesus. Do we represent an accurate picture of Jesus in that way? Or do we more represent a picture of the religious leaders in the days of Jesus? Right? Now, if you're not sure, that's a reason to spend some time with God, isn't it? Like, God, open my eyes to see how the people that I love so dearly how they see me. And if the relationship is strong enough, you might even ask a nun how they view you as it relates to spirituality and religion and the different things we'll talk about today. Now, as we feel that weight, and I want us to just kind of live in that tension for a few minutes this morning, uh, those who we know and love are Far from God. The question is, how do we engage the nuns? Okay, James Emery White wrote a book uh, that kind of studied and took an extensive look at this subculture of those that were the religiously 
unidentified or um, uncommitted. It's called The Rise of the Nuns, the book is. And in it, he suggests that we make a shift in our thinking or our, our outreach from an Acts 2 model to an Acts chapter 17 model. Now think about Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, we have Peter, Peter preaching in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. It was a religious festival, one of the religious holidays. And so people from all over the world, Jews, came to Jerusalem. And they were gathered to celebrate one of God's festivals. So these were people who were God-fearing. They had a knowledge of God. His audience were people who, who believed in God. They believed in heaven. They believed in hell. They were looking for a promised Messiah. And so when Peter preaches in Acts chapter 2, he preaches to them about things like God and Scripture and heaven and salvation and repentance. But remember two weeks ago when we were in Acts chapter 17 that Paul also preached a sermon. But Paul at that point was not in Jerusalem. He was in Athens. And he was among people who certainly in many cases were atheists, they were agnostics, they didn't even know God much, believe in him or fear him like the Jews did of their day. So Paul, in his message that was tailored to his different audience in that way, began by speaking about the creation, the world around him, and took them on a journey that eventually took them to a knowledge of God. And, and White says if we want to be effective reaching the nuns, we need to stop talking to them like they know all these things that are religious and instead approach them as just people who live in a world that God created. Okay? And so this is our challenge. Like the burden to engage this group, it falls on us as God's people. And we feel that because they're people we know and love and care about. But realize like each nun, each, it's not a group, like this is a person and they have names and they're our family and our friends and so forth. Each one is a, is a creation of God. Each person is loved by God. Each person has been purposed by God to be part of his forever family. And in reaching uh, these people, we have to understand that this is a process a process where we adjust our hearts and our attitudes, where we engage them in relationships and we prepare for a long journey where God leads the way and produces the results. It's this, this relationship that we're in, this journey that we're on, it's much more like a road to be traveled than it is a mountain to be conquered. It's not like a sales job. Yep, if you don't get them, move on. <laughs> I mean, these are people we don't move on from. They're people we do life with. Howard Hendricks is a, an influential Christian preacher and teacher, has been for decades. <clears throat> he tells a story about when he first started preaching, and he went to, went to college in Texas, so he's preaching in Texas, and he said, um, regarding the location of this rural church he went to, he said, you've heard of nowhere. He said, this is 25 miles past nowhere. <laughs> he said, I was getting ready to teach and preach to this, um, this gathering, teeming crowd, all 17 of them, he said. 
and I preached my heart out just like the, just like the church was full. He said, after I was done, he said, a Texan came up to me and said, you were wrong. He said, well, sir, I've been wrong a lot of times, so why don't you tell me how I was wrong? He said, well, you made this moronic statement. You said, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And he said, and that ain't true, because you can feed him salt and make him thirsty. Now, this morning, I want to look at a couple passages written by Peter that talk about salt. How do we make people thirsty for God? How do we help the process and move them along, if you would? And and let's talk about just a strategy. How do we engage the nuns according to the Apostle Peter? So turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. If you want to take one of those Bibles in front of you, it's page 1201. In 1 Peter chapter 2, I want to talk about how can our lives be this bridge that God intends for us to be between Him and someone who doesn't know Him, okay? Because we are called, right? We are compelled, if you would, to be the bridge between someone who is distant from God and God Himself. That is our role. That's why God leaves us here. In the book of 2 Peter, Peter's going to say one of the reasons that God does leave us here is because He's patient, He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to be eternally separated from him. So he's patient so that all might come to repentance. But for them to get there, sometimes they're going to go through us as the bridge. Okay. Now Peter is writing to believers, to Christians. But these Christians are suffering under some pretty severe persecution. And Peter is writing to encourage them to remain steadfast, to remain committed to Jesus even under pressure. And he he encourages them to continue using their lives to showcase God, using their lives, and, and as we're reading this, using our lives to showcase who God is and to attract the people around them or around us to Jesus himself. First Peter chapter 2, look down with me at verse 11. <clears throat> it says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Okay? Now, I'm going to suggest three different things that Peter tells us that we can do to be helpful in engaging people first and then prayerfully reaching those people, bridging those people to God himself. And the first one is this. Be holy. Be holy. Verse 11, the NIV says, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Okay. Now the message paraphraser captures it with these words. He says, this world is not your home, so don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Be holy. Listen, all people respect those who live by standards and convictions that are consistent between what they say and what they believe. And most of us struggle with people who say one thing and do another, and the nuns are no exception in that way. Godly living is always appropriate 
for godly people. Most people appreciate holiness. What they reject is when people act judgmental toward others who don't share the same moral convictions. For you to be holy is one thing. For you to require that of me, by your definition, is something else. If we're to reach the nuns, like we've got to live God's way without trying to take God's place as judge. Does that make sense? That is never going to be embraced by other people. Be holy, Peter says. Second, he says, be present. He tells us, live such good lives among the pagans. Because if we ever hope to make a difference in people's lives, we've got to be present in their lives. It can't just be a holy huddle of a life. Only with Christians, no relationships. We've got to be present. It doesn't mean that we agree. It doesn't mean that we participate with all their choices or their values or all of their viewpoints about life in that way. It does mean that we care enough about people to engage with them, to do life with them, to value and to respect their right to make their own choices. After all, like, isn't, like, isn't that what you're asking from them? That they respect your right to live under a certain moral conviction? And wouldn't that respect go a long way if it was returned to them as well? Respect is a mutual thing. When people are respected, they feel seen and they feel heard. And it opens the door in some ways. I mean, how can we expect to receive respect if we're not willing to give respect? Okay? And yet when it's in place, we can also then, third on your list, we, we can be a bridge. That's the goal, is to be a bridge between these people who don't know God and God himself. Peter says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. And glorify God on the day that he visits us. Okay? Now, I think this is a big ask. Okay? And it requires that we be closely connected with God. But we are actually called to represent God to the world. I mean, that is our job. That is a calling God puts on our life. The reality it is, sometimes the world rejects God because they first reject us and sometimes they appreciate God because first they appreciate us like we are the salt that makes the world thirst for God either that or we are the vinegar that makes God seem bitter to the world it's about the life we live and the way that we live it, Peter would say in that way, to the nuns. Like we are the bridge that either leads people closer to God okay, or that makes it more difficult for them to get to him. And let that weight sink in because that is our reality. The life we live and the way we live it either helps people draw closer to God 
or hinders them from doing the same. Now flip your Bible a page over to 1 Peter chapter 3. If 1 Peter 2, Paul, Peter challenged us to, to be um, attractional to God. In 1 Peter 3, he's going to challenge us to be ready if and when people respond to us or to God or simply want to explore faith. And, and Peter would say either in a positive or a negative way because both were going on with these people that he was writing to. This is what Peter writes, 1 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16. He writes, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Okay? So, so here's, here's a challenge for you. Okay? Keep your eyes. Keep your ears. Keep your heart open, not only to what God is doing in your life, but also to what he's doing in the lives of those people that God has connected you with. Okay? It, it means, in Peter's words, live ready. Okay? Live ready in that way. In terms of always be prepared, Peter says, to give an answer to everyone who asks of you, to give the reason for the hope that you have. Notice Peter doesn't say always give an answer. He says always be ready to give an answer. Sometimes, like the nuns don't care about your faith. <laughs> Some of them don't care about your life right now. Even if they do, respect it. In fact, sometimes they feel the pressure of your choices and that's what leads them to negatively speak about you or your faith or your God or your church. But that's part of the point, Peter says. Be ready when that wells up within them, good or bad, to have an answer for how you believe and what you believe. I think we would, um, we would be much more effective in our relationship with those who either resist faith or those who reject faith if we would wait for them to respond okay, instead of always offering our truth. Peter would say, live ready to respond. Don't live ready to pounce. Ever been pounced on somebody who's religious? I have, <laughs> you know. Uh, people that I, I believe are going to be in heaven with me. But I found that their life is often challenging to me taking people along with me because they've been pounced on, they've been attacked, they've been had such a struggle because of how they've been treated um, by Christians. Right? How you position yourself with regard to um, both your relationship and your attitude with those who don't know Jesus, it really does matter significantly because how we live either earns us the right to be heard or it causes people to dismiss us without ever being heard and that's the point of these things that Peter is sharing with us and the last one he's going to give us 
is this. Live careful. Careful, but careful. Verse 15 at the end, he says, do this with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Gentleness. Respect. How many people do you think would have characterized the religious leaders in Jesus' day as having gentleness and respect? Do you read that anywhere in the Gospels? How many people of our day would characterize you and I as having gentleness and respect? Especially gentleness and respect in our day toward those who have different political viewpoints, social viewpoints, philosophical viewpoints, different moral viewpoints. Not a lot of gentleness and respect going on these days in our world. James Emery White reminds us in his book, he said, the nuns often have very negative views of religion and often religious people. But if you can get past that, he says, they're quite willing to hear an explanation of the Christian perspective on any and every issue. And I have found that to be true myself. Like if you start, especially with their questions and their concerns as a bridge to the Bible, isn't that what Paul did? I mean, they, they were dead in their sin. They were separate from God. Paul didn't start with salvation, he started with creation because they could see this world around them and it gave them something to talk about, to discuss, to move toward these eternal issues. It's just worth taking a note. Peter reminds us today, like how we, how we live, it's either going to be a bridge or it's going to be a dead end to a conversation about God and what we believe and who we believe in. And I think before people are ever going to say, I want a faith like yours. They're probably going to have to first say, I want a heart like yours. I want to know that you care about me more than just about my sin, more than just about my eternity. I want to know you care about my life, caring about people, engaging them where they are. That's what Peter would tell us. If you want to be effective at reaching a nun, Engage them. Do these things we talked about. Now, as we think about these words from Peter, as we remember what we heard from Paul two weeks ago, what Drew challenged us with last week, here's what I want to ask you to do. Either on your sermon notes that you have with you, um, pull open and open the, app, the notes app on your phone maybe, uh, take one of those cards out of the chair in front of you. Would you just spend a moment... I want to encourage you to write down the names of some of the nuns in your life. Move this from theoretical to practical. Okay? A worship team is going to come back up on stage, and I want you to take just a moment, I want you to think about your friends, your family members, your neighbors, your coworkers, the people that God has, has placed on your heart in your life, people that are distant from God. They may be really distant from God. They may be recently distant from God. But nonetheless, they are distanced from God. And I want you to write down their names. 
And then I want you to take some time this week. And I want to think about you and I, our relationship with these people and how holy we are to them, how present we are to them, how ready we are for them, how careful we appear to them in these ways. And then ask God, God, how can I more effectively be a bridge between these people that I love and you, the God that I love? And God, what adjustments can I make in my life to be just that? We'd love to help you with that. We'd love to pray with you about that. We'd love to help you know this God better for some of you, maybe even to connect with him for the first time. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship. And as we sing, I'll be back by the sound booth there. I'd love to have a conversation with you. I'd love to pray with you. One of our leaders or staff would as well. Uh, Let me encourage you. Write down those names. Like, write them before you leave today. You know how it works, right? Out of sight, out of mind. We leave here. But write down those names. Think about those names. Spend some time with God over those names this week. Because it's not just like the latest sermon in a series. This is God's word to us from Peter for our life to change. For the lives of others we know to change. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, you are um, you're the one we love. You're the one we live for. Lord, you are the one who we have um, staked all of our future in. We believe your word even as we struggle with this life. Lord, our hearts are, are heavy at times with the people in our lives who we just don't they just don't know you and the things they're missing and the life eternal that we want them to be part of. Lord, invade our space, our hearts, our minds. And Lord, would you just speak to us about how we could best be a bridge for them to see you and to know you and ultimately to be with you. Lord, that's our heart. And we ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen.